0: Um, but as far as uh, play, we're pretty good. Um, we're, we're getting better on offense, getting better on defense, we're putting up points. So, I feel like any team you play, there's still another person like they're, they're not just uh, just like slouches. So, I feel like we've just been you know getting better each week. And just next week, actually, SEC plays it's a little different, but I feel like you know our team is confident enough to be able to do the same thing we've been doing now. I know with the SEC team because we're just getting more connected as a team as a whole. Mm-hmm all right welcome in to the gamecockscoop.com podcast the official podcast of gamecockscoop.com definitely go check out um the website there are plenty of articles already reviewing the game but this morning uh, myself caleb alexander and alan cole are going to break down the 50 to 10 win for the gamecocks over sc state you just heard Marshawn lloyd kind of saying uh that these last two weeks they obviously were playing inferior opponents but that he feels like they figured out some stuff that they can take into the rest of the schedule and we're going to kind of discuss whether or not that's true alan actually i forgot i didn't tell you we're going to do three hours uh breaking down sc state we're going (laughs) to give the people what they want
1: (laughs) Well, we're doing um we're doing X's and O's on Tonka Hemingway's two-point conversion, right?
0: Yeah. Well, actually, I think, I'm hoping, if if Perry doesn't do it, I'm going to do it. Um, we are going to have a film breakdown of Tonka Hemingway's two-point conversion on the it. website this week. Um, I loved it. It probably my favorite play last night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's two straight weeks that they've scored on out of that swinging gate formation. Yep. you guys don't know what that is basically every time they line up for an extra point they line up in kind of a weird configuration where you have um like four guys um over the center and uh Hemingway was the furthest guy back he took a direct snap last night for two-point conversion and then you have the rest of the line set up to the left side and last week um Travion Kenyon was kind of like off the line behind that wall that's set up over on the left side and they just toss it out to them. Usually, normal uh, extra point, they'll set up that swinging gate, the defense lines up to it, and then they pull it back, pull it back. Um, into uh, normal field goal formation and just kick the extra point. But sometimes, if uh, the defense doesn't line up right, or you know, maybe they just decide that they're going to go for it no matter what uh, happens i am interested to hear from pete limbo if they just saw something specific there with the the tonka thing um but yeah if you get a if you get a defense that doesn't line up the right way you get a numbers advantage then you can either toss it out there or take it up the middle like tonka did last night which that's basically what happened right they had three um blockers against three defenders and you're like all right well even if one of these defenders gets free you're not That's that's my thing
1: though like even if you don't have the numbers advantage it's tonka hemingway like Who's going to – it's talking Hemingway with two yards in front of him to get. Like, this is not like a fourth and ten run. Like who's going to bring him down?
0: It's yeah. a pretty high percentage play. Yeah, I think uh I, at the very least you give – with those those two plays the past couple weeks, you give Kentucky something else that they have to work on That's in practice That's exactly this week, what so. Shane
1: Beamer said. Someone asked Shane about that on the teleconference after Charlotte. And he mentioned two things I thought was interesting about that. He said one – that every single team in college football has way more two-point plays now than they ever have before because of the new overtime rules. You have to have a bunch of them. Like Was it Illinois and Penn State that went to nine overtimes last year, which was like a two-point conversion shootout, basically? So right. every team has a bunch of those now. And the second thing he said was exactly that. They, they do that stuff because now other, other teams have to prepare for it. And, and if you're spending time preparing for extra point defense, it's less time you can spend on something else.
0: No doubt. Um, all right. All right. As fun as it would be to continue to talk about talk. the Tonka Hemingway <laughs> two-point conversion. We could go for 15 more minutes on it. Uh, let's talk some some broader strokes from the game. So like I said, South Carolina wins 50-10 to 10 on kind of a short week. We mentioned on the podcast on Wednesday that they only really had two days of practice um, preparing for this one. We also talked about how they might um, sort of test their vertical passing game a little bit, which we did see um and this one a little bit more than against charlotte and they still ran the ball well too right average six yards per carry um pretty good defensive showing you know a little up and down They got beat by the quarterback run every now and then i wrote about that in my rapid reaction which you can see on gamecockscoop.com but overall uh much better on third down um se state only went one of 11 on third down so uh yeah what what do you want to talk about which direction you want to go first
1: I think you've got to start with them coming out and making an emphasis to throw the football. Um, We said on Wednesday that almost anything they would be able to do in this game was going to work, just given the size advantage and the talent advantage. I don't think that's any secret, but they wanted to throw the ball. Like They came out on the first drive. There was the bubble screen, and then there was a deep post to Xavier Leggett, which, of course, that did not work. That ended up being intercepted off off his hands. Um, But even second drive, they ran a counter to Marshall on the first play. And then after that, they kind of went back to the air a little bit um, before they ended up having a punt. Um, that was a clear design. I guess you're seeing the, uh, the Leggett pick if you're watching our YouTube video now. Um, that was a clear design to throw the ball early, to throw the ball often, to get Spencer more comfortable in the passing game. We saw, I think, 11 different receivers caught a pass last night um, and six caught at least two. Um, that was – if you want to look at it as – building offense last week was the run build week this week was the pass build week and now ideally if you're Marcus Satterfield you can kind of mix it all back together for a return to SEC play next Saturday
0: yeah I mean I think the what I put in the um the rapid reaction basically was that the stat line or the box score sort of lies um about Spencer Rattler's performance I thought he had his best game of the season. Um, he didn't really make any mistakes. The two interceptions bounced off of Xavier Leggett's hands. Um, both yeah. would have been big plays. One was a deep shot on the first drive that, if you go back and watch that one, it was super fluky. I mean, uh, he catches it, or tried to catch it on the ground, popped it up, it went off of two defenders, and then, yeah, uh, ultimately an interception. And then the second one was, they were going into scores like a 3rd and fifteen. And he hit Xavier Leggett in the hands right beyond the sticks. Would have been a first and goal. And it just went right through his hands uh, for another interception. So I thought uh, Rattler really looked like he was in command of the offense throughout the whole night. Um, Something that we talked about both in, in text and just I think we've mentioned it on the podcast a little bit, is he was struggling early in the season to step up in the pocket. He was kind of backpedaling, throwing off his back foot, whatever. But throughout the night, uh, he stepped up in the pocket, ran the ball, tucked the ball and ran it a couple times for, to keep some drives going, scored a touchdown uh, that way. And he also stepped up and found receivers downfield. He, scored, he threw a touchdown pass to Austin Stogner with a nice step up in the pocket that he kind of just like threaded in there. So I, I think – you have to be encouraged by Rattler's performance. It was also really windy last night. Yes. So So um, a couple of those deep balls kind of hung in the air a little bit longer than they maybe would have normally, but still gave this guy a chance. I mean, Jalen Brooks went up for one that resulted in about a 50-yard catch, I think. Um, 54, yep. Yeah. And that one maybe wasn't the most perfect pass, but you gave Jalen Brooks, who has proven that he can win one-on-one battles, a chance at it, and he went and got it.
1: He went and got it. There was a really nice like layer to throw over a defender to Jaheem Bell on the sideline. Um, I think that was in the second quarter, but I might be wrong. Maybe the third. Um, but yeah, you're right. It was windy. It was weird. It was kind of a gray day. Um, I mean, it wasn't like oppressive passing conditions, but it was still made things a little bit tougher than they have been in the other games this year. Um, but no, he looked comfortable. He looked like We've talked about identity a lot. We've talked about getting comfortable. That's kind of what I wrote about last night um, in my longer piece. I just wrote about these guys starting to get more chemistry, get timing. That first touchdown to Marshawn Lloyd. The screen pass was a very just. He said he just had to trust that Marshawn would be there because Marshawn was kind of fighting through three defenders there. Um, but Marshawn made a play, got around his got around his men (plural), he got to the ball, and scored a touchdown. Um, I, it looks comfortable. That's Regardless of the opponent, I think that's your biggest positive if you're a Carolina fan. It just looks like he's comfortable now.
0: Yeah, the red zone offense looked a little bit better as well. They had, uh, what was it, over the last two games, I think eight opportunities scored – or no, this, just this game. Eight opportunities scored, seven touchdowns in it. Does that sound right? Mm-hmm. I think that is, yeah. Um, they didn't, or, the, yeah,
1: they didn't kick a field goal last night.
0: So. And the one that they didn't score touchdown on, they probably would have if that ball doesn't glance off Xavier Leggett's hands. Right. So, um, pretty, pretty impressive there. I thought that the first drive, or the first red zone drive, the one that Marshawn Lloyd scored on the screen pass, it still looked a little disjointed, but uh, they did what they had to do to make it work, and then it looked a lot more comfortable from that point on. I thought.
1: The rollout stuff is still a little bit weird to me. Um, I think at that point it was three goal line series, like first quarter, and because they had two against Charlotte last week in the first two drives. And they ran that. I don't know, I'm gonna call it a bootleg, even though I haven't watched it back yet. I think that's what it looked like to me. But they ran that again against SC State. Since three times they tried that inside the 10, and it hasn't really worked on any of the three. Um, so they're still a little bit of outsmarting yourself there, maybe. Um we saw more of that kind of short. Rushing touchdown stuff. We talked about on the podcast Wednesday. Um Christian Beale Smith, Marshall and Lloyd both punched it in from short range. Um, that just further feeds the idea that this is the identity of this team, like kind of throwing the ball in the gray area, throwing the ball between the forties, but running it once you get down in the red zone. Um Identity. That's there's I think there's an identity here, maybe.
0: Yeah, we were, I mean we were texting earlier and obviously the uh schedule is going to get a lot more difficult going forward. You got a top 10 Kentucky team that you have to go on the road to next week. I mean, we'll see if they're still top 10 after this weekend's matchup with Ole Miss. Um but either way, I mean, a saw a very solid Kentucky team that's already won on the road in the swamp this this season. Um and I think <laughs> The offense at least knows what it wants to try to do. that doesn't mean that they're necessarily gonna be successful all the time, but um for the first time, I would say in like two years, I kind of feel like I what the are trying to do. And that's gonna be establish the run. Um, you know, get your playmakers out in space with some screens, some some flat passes, um, and then take some deep shots. And I think, you know, that, that was effective last night. It was it was effective the past two weeks, really, when they when they wanted to do that,
1: yeah, and beamer praised the perimeter blocking again last night. Um, I understand it's easier to move the defensive back, um, or the linebacker from SC State and Charlotte than it is to move the defensive back with the linebacker from Kentucky or AM or Clemson or whoever else they're going to play. I get that. Um, still moved well, still were able to get the ball in the perimeter of Jalen Brooks to Antoine Wells on the bubble screens. Um, yeah, still not as much. Josh Van, you could tell he's just itching to get something going he's badly trying on those punt returns he muffed one he almost took the other one back but you could tell he really wants it didn't see as much of Corey Rucker last night although he did have snaps in the fourth quarter with Luke Doty again um I still think there's pieces here we didn't even see at least compared to the last three games that much of Juju McDowell last night it felt like uh but he's still in the mix too
0: yeah, um I thought the offensive line played pretty well. One quick note on that by the way if you didn't catch like right before the game started, uh you guys got a note in the press box that Greg Atkins is stepping away from the team uh, at least temporarily. It sounded like from Beamer's uh comments after the game that it's it's a short term thing at least as far as we understand it right now uh Lonnie Teasley who is a offensive a- analyst sort of is taking that interim offensive line coach role um and they looked pretty good last night any other information on Atkins that I didn't mention
1: um it was there's a couple of things just that he did miss some time last year in the middle of the year um obviously his kids on the team Nate Atkins um it sounds like they kind of rallied around him a little bit. We saw a lot more of Andy Atkins on the field last night in general, but it does sound like they've kind of rallied around him in general as a team. Um, and Beamer did speak very highly of Lonnie Teasley. He said that he was O um, O-line coach at North Carolina Central before he came to South Carolina. He said he knows, you know, he's just saying that, you know, he actually made a thing that like, I hope nobody takes him because we want to keep this guy around here. So, and you know, there's questions you could ask about Greg Atkins. That not going to do that here. He's, on the, we'll call it downward slope of his career, just age wise. He's been doing this a long time. I mean, he's, I got a story coming later, kind of about his early coaching, but kind of like he was at Marshall in the early 90s. Like he's been coaching 30 years. He's, you know, his kid's not going to be on the team next year. um You know, maybe he would have been back next year. Maybe he wouldn't have been, but obviously we just hope he's safe. He's healthy. His family's doing okay. That his kid's doing okay. Um, that's kind of the priority and whatever long it does with the offensive line just kind of comes after that.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, Really quick. Just want to give credit. uh, If you were watching our YouTube page, we were showing the highlights of South Carolina state, South Carolina. Um, There aren't official highlights out yet because that was its first thing the next morning. So Brady college TV on uh, YouTube. That's who posted that. So just want to make sure that he gets the credit for that. Um, but yeah, so it'll be interesting to see if he comes back this season, but like you said, maybe, uh, he's nearing retirement age, especially if health, uh, concerns keep cropping up. We don't know any specifics about what's going on. They did describe it as minor health issue. So, um, you know, hope, obviously number one priority there is just get healthy yeah, and, right. uh, you know, him and his family sort of rally around that and South Carolina figure it out on the football field, you know? um as far as players and um people that missed some time or are injured uh, pretty much everyone was back this week except for dylan wanham i mean other than people that were out for the season um but within the game i saw that boogie huntley went down in the first quarter didn't come back after that any injury updates you can give us
1: so there's a few um boogie huntley you're right that's the that's the big one that's obviously a starter a defensive tackle um, he didn't even have his helmet back on after the first quarter. It looked like there was like, I don't even know what you'd call it, tape on his on his wrists. Maybe um, there was something on his leg too. Um, I've heard a few different things. Um, obviously, we're not going to get an official word. This is this is college football. There's no injury report like the NFL. Um, but I think he was in sweats on the sideline in the second half. I we'll just have to monitor that this week. Um, Devonnie Reed went out of the game too. Shane Beamer said he could have come back in the game. If they needed him to, he I did see him wearing his helmet on the sideline. Uh Trey Jones, same deal. Got banged up, didn't look too serious. Um I think that oh, and David Spaulding was in uniform. He went through full practice. He did not play or not full practice, but full warm-ups. Um, I didn't see him on the field last night. Sounds like they wanted to just give that one more week, but he looked full go at least in warm-ups. And Stone Blanton did play last night. That was the other questionable. He was on the field.
0: All right. Well, we'll have to see how how that plays out. I mean, obviously, if Boogie Huntley can't go next week, that's going to be a big loss. Although um, we talked about how Tonka Tonka Hemingway played pretty well last night. Nick Barrett had a big fourth down stop. Um, Still going to see some MJ Webb and TJ Sanders. So they're a little bit deeper there than they were at, say, Edge, which is um, still, you know, definitely sort of figuring it out. Although um, one of the things that I've noticed the last couple of weeks that they sort of have gotten right on defense is putting Bam Martin Scott um, out there at sort of outside linebacker. I mean, like we said last week, sometimes he's even played nickel, uh, but he's been um, out on the perimeter, really playing very well over the last couple of weeks. And hopefully that's something that he can continue to carry into SEC play.
1: Yeah, I try not to use the Clemson comparison on this podcast, but the only guy I can think of really does that role the way Ben Martin Scott's doing it is Isaiah Simmons, who's now, he you know, he's a linebacker in safety at Clemson. He was a top 10 pick in the NFL draft. He's doing the same thing for the Arizona Cardinals now. That's the closest comparison I can think of. Um, just someone, I'm not saying Ben Martin Scott's going to be a top 10 pick in the in the NFL draft, but a guy who kind of plays linebacker and nickel and a little bit of safety, just kind of slats all of the defense. And he's good in space. That's one thing you see. He's, Good at kind of checking his man and by the line of scrimmage, he's obviously got an interception last night, almost scored, almost brought it back, got down at the two. He had another one that was off his hands that could have been a pick as well. He seems to have good spatial awareness on defense, which I guess probably comes from playing in so many different spots and understanding the whole field.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, as we were previewing this game, we talked about him a little bit and how that seemed to be working really since the Georgia game, um, mostly in the run game. And I kind of was like, oh, but he's not a true DB. And then, of course, he gets an interception last night and almost returns it for a touchdown. Um, Speaking of interceptions, so South Carolina got three interceptions last night to go with their three interceptions against Charlotte. They have six total interceptions over this two-game stretch, and they've scored 35 points um, directly following those interceptions. So scored on five touchdowns on five of those six possessions following um we talked early in the season i mean last year they led the sec in turnovers they were they were number one in in the sec um and then they only had one through the first three weeks of the season and that was in the very first game against georgia state so it seems like you know maybe it's just luck swinging back the other way maybe it's the quality of opponent but it does seem like um that emphasis in turnovers is starting to pay off these last couple of weeks. And maybe that's something that they can maybe not rely on because it's a very inconsistent metric, but if that's something that they can use, uh, they, they could definitely use going through the sec schedule to sort of cover up some of the other deficiencies and depth issues on the defense.
1: Here, yeah. What I would say about that is, and I understand you can't put it all on one person as talented as he is, cam cam smith has played wire to wire in three games this year and those are the only three they forced a turnover in like he missed a half at arkansas he missed all of georgia those are the two they didn't force a turnover i know he himself only has one of those seven interceptions but his presence on the field he changes the calculus for the other the opposing offense obviously that is a first round draft pick just talking a second ago about bms but cam smith is a legitimate first round corner slash nickel um and him just being on the field, I think does open a lot of things for everyone else around him.
0: Yeah, I definitely think that that's a, that's a big factor going forward um, because opposing quarterbacks don't want to throw towards him. Uh, and when they do usually good things happen for South Carolina's defense. Um, and yeah, that, that should open up some other guys. One guy that uh, we, for the first time this season, didn't really talk a whole lot about in post game coverage was Nick and a little bit, quiet last night um i think he still had you know a handful of tackles or whatever but three
1: solos like in the first half for first three quarters but he also didn't play the whole game they were doing the safety rotation still too now that roderick's healthy they were still doing that thing where they'd have two on there and then a different two they'd use all three combinations of of the like with you know what i mean like with two on the field and all three possible combinations they were still kind of in and outing that
0: yeah, which heading into the game, Shane Beamer even spoke about that. It's even if Nick M- 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 Warrior is your best safety, you don't need him playing every single snap of the game, right? Um, so it is good that they're they're getting a little rotation there. But yeah, actually, RJ Roderick led the team in tackles last night with yeah, five he was good last night. But it was pretty uh, pretty spread out, honestly, across the team. Like I said, if your top uh, your leading tacklers only got five tackles, then and, and the defense played as well as it did, then it's it's pretty well. Spelled. Thought the um, linebackers played pretty well. Sherrod Green had an interception, um, had three solo or two solo tackles on his own. He had half of a sack. Um, yeah, so pretty pretty overall good game by the defense. The only concern I said coming out of it is the quarterback run game. So you had um, sort of the backup quarterback uh, Tyrese Nick from SC State who I, I watched some film on SC State heading into the week, and he had only played a little bit in two other games, UCF and Bethune-Cookman, and both of those were like fourth quarter as things were already um, wrapped up, at least from the highlights I saw. Maybe he got a couple of random snaps here and there. But he he played the majority of the game last night after Corey Fields couldn't get much going. I mean, Corey Fields went 4 of 13 with two interceptions, so not ideal game for him. Uh, only 12 passing for Corey Fields. Um, but yeah, Tyrese Nick came in, provided a spark, had 14 carries for 95 yards and a touchdown along of 24, Um, sort of opened up the run game for Kendrell Flowers while he was there, at least at first as well, with some of the zone read stuff. So I do think that that's something that sh- concerns you going forward. I mean, you think about Hinden Hooker, you think about Anthony Richardson, there's some quarterbacks left on this schedule that are definitely able to hurt South Carolina with their legs. And um, if the edge, which, you know, to South Carolina's credit, they did sort of uh, figure it out after a drive or two. But if the, if the edge play continues to get sucked in so hard on those zone reads, it's going to be a problem uh, later in the schedule.
1: Yeah, it is. And it's funny you mentioned that because something we've, uh, uh, we've heard from Shane Beamer last night was going the other way about Spencer running the ball more. Um, He had a funny quote. It's like, you know, don't get the crap beat out of you or something. I think it's actually what he said in terms of Spencer, but, and then Spencer was kind of talking about how he, he likes to use his legs. He likes being mobile. He feels like he has a good sense of knowing when to slide. Um, I think there was maybe one time last night he took a hit. He shouldn't have, but other than that, I would agree with he, he got out of, I think four or five times. He got out of the pocket. You mentioned the touchdown. Um, I'm kind of wondering if that's something we're going to see more from South Carolina's offense as another way, especially now that the, the running game with the running backs is actually going like you're getting things from Marshawn Lloyd, Christian Smith, Juju McDowell. Like, is there a zone read once a quarter, maybe in, in the future here for Marcus Satterfield? Is that something you'd, you'd even think you'd, they'd entertain?
0: Yeah. And it's interesting, but um, we were talking about it last night in the Slack channel, someone that's running the zone read probably the best of the three quarterbacks that we've seen so far being Rattler, uh, Doty, and Joyner is... I think Luke Doty is running the zone read. He's, he's oh, made yeah, the he right read.
1: Last, he scored on it last night, yeah.
0: Yeah, he's made the right read on that uh, in more situations than I feel like Rattler has. There's a couple times that they have run it, and uh, at least two or three times, he's either kept or handed when he should have done the opposite. So I don't know, which is kind of strange because you would have think you would have thought that he would have run that a good bit at Oklahoma with all the spread game and stuff. So maybe it's just a a matter of reps here and he's kind of out of practice or whatever. Um, But yeah, I I do think it's something that opens up a little bit more of the run game. I mean, obviously they're going to keep running the counter (laughs) because that's continuing to work. Um, I know Lloyd's first run was a counter run. That was like 25 yards, 30 yards, something like that at the beginning of the game. Um, But yeah, I I do think that that's an element that, um, you know, Spencer Rattler is not going to, be the fastest guy on the team win a foot race like that or anything, but he's mobile enough. And um, he even kind of trucked over a few guys last night, which maybe he that's does. what Beamer was talking about. It's like, uh, Hey, I maybe like, like, don't, like do don't do that. do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Do you want to talk a little bit of Kentucky before we get into some of the national Yeah, why not? It's
1: it's a little bit tougher because we don't know what Kentucky looks like this week. Obviously, they play at noon tomorrow, recording this Friday, noon tomorrow against Ole Miss in Oxford. That's obviously a huge game in the SEC and and for Kentucky itself. But going into that game, I think it just becomes a question of how many of these concepts we saw the last two weeks are you seeing in Lexington and what's the script? Like, are you still... You know it's like I said, it's the one game where you fix one week fixing the running game, one week trying to fix the passing game. Which one of those made a quicker jump, I guess, for lack of a better term? Like, which one do they trust more next week going into Kentucky? Um, and you're gonna see both, of course. Yeah, I think you have to be balanced to win that game, but it's kind of it makes me wonder, okay, we wanted to know what they learned, what they could learn from these two games. Now, what do they think they learned going back into an SEC game?
0: I mean, to me, and obviously. Thoughts here or anything, but to me, you there should not be another game where you come out just chucking the ball around as your primary focus. Uh, I think establishing the run and then playing off that run is the way to go, especially as well as Marshawn Lloyd's been playing and as hard as he's been running and everything. That doesn't mean that like if you get shut down after a few series, you don't try to switch it up or whatever, but I think you have to at least try to establish a run in these SEC games, Um, take some pressure off of Spencer Adler, open up the play-action passing game, which they hit a couple of deep passes on last night. Um, yeah, I, I I will be shocked if they come out just trying to chuck it like they did against Arkansas and Georgia.
1: No, I think that the other question, too, is the secondary has played really well the last two weeks against two quarterbacks who have struggled. Uh, will Levis now. I mean, that's possibly a first-round NFL pick quarterback, at least a very good quarterback, one of the better ones they're going to face this year um they've had two of those this year they had KJ Jefferson who they did not stop they had Stetson Bennett, who they did not stop um how much growth have we seen there and also how healthy are they going to be because if Kentucky's gonna have Chris Rodriguez back too he's making a season debut tomorrow off his four-game suspension if South Carolina's down Boogie Huntley and there's more running lanes I guess because you're probably still gonna run away from, run away from Zach Pickens anyway if you're Kentucky but if there's more gaps. They may mentioned a couple of run fills they struggled with last night. Um, this might be a ground and pound Kentucky game, depending on how much they want to get Chris Rodriguez back involved right away.
0: For sure. Yeah. You mentioned Will Levis, I mean, he's completing 67.5% of his passes so far this season. He's already thrown for 1100 yards, almost 1200 yards through four games, um, 10 touchdowns to four interceptions. Cavassier smokes look good at running back, but like you said, um, they're getting even more help there and then Tavian Robinson while maybe not quite as twitchy as Wandell was last year um, he's been very serviceable he's got uh he's averaging 17.5 yards a catch he's got a couple touchdowns um you got Dane Gee who's also in that same range with three more touchdowns so the the wide receiver room is playing pretty well this is an offense that i think is definitely going to put some stress on South Carolina's defense Um, I guess one encouraging thing, and we'll see a little bit more of this tomorrow, like you said, against Ole Miss, is I'm not sure that Kentucky's defense is quite as good as it was last year. Um, But it's still I mean, they did a pretty good job against uh, Florida, which I mean, granted, if you can shut down Anthony Robinson running the ball, he's Richardson, you're right, Uh, (laughs) running the ball, then he's not uh, he's kind of up and down as a passer. But you know, it, it's going to be interesting for sure. I I don't think it's a game that South Carolina fans should completely write off, but I also don't think it's a game that you should go into it thinking that you're going to win. Which maybe at the beginning of the year you viewed it as more of a toss up.
1: You you were pretty good at this. At least you got you pretty much hit it on the head. And we we did this before Arkansas. You got we're not going to get one till Sunday, but you got to spread guess without knowing what Kentucky looks like tomorrow. Of course,
0: but. Mm. How about I give you two different ones? (laughs) If 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 Kentucky
1: Kentucky wins, Kentucky loses? Yeah, exactly.
0: If Kentucky wins, I think they're probably like a nine-point favorite at home. And if they lose, I think they're probably like a five-point favorite at home.
1: Mm, That's probably a little bit lower than I would have thought. Um, Yeah, I think you're probably looking at about a touchdown on the aggregate. Um, I definitely think that's fair. Kentucky's earned that. Um, They're 4-0. I mean, they're... Their schedule outside of Florida hasn't been terribly tough, um, you know. They, but they did—they they had a wobble against Northern Illinois. They won that game by only one score. Um, yeah, but it's still—I mean, other than Clemson and Georgia, it's probably as tough of a game as they're going to have on the schedule all year. Maybe with Arkansas thrown in there too.
0: Yeah, um, I think it is a game that, like I said, you can't expect to win necessarily. But if South Carolina really Wants to push for that like third, fourth sort of range in the SEC East this season, uh, which might be a bit too much to expect. You you have to win that game, um, and you have to be competitive against Tennessee, or you know split Florida. Um, We talked about like basically the path to seven and five now is you split Kentucky, Texas A&M, and you split Florida, Tennessee. and you know, I think if you do that and win against Vandy and Missouri, then you may not be stoked about the season. You may not feel like, "Wow, we really overachieved." But I don't think you can be too disappointed with that seven and five either.
1: It's steady progression from six and six last year, and frankly, a I think even probably they would admit a little bit of a lucky six and six. You know, you get a last second win over ECU, you had a fourteen nothing comeback against a depleted Auburn team, like. I'm not saying they didn't earn last year. I'm not saying but I think they're I would say if they finish six and six this year, that's probably a better six and six than last year. Wow, what yeah. a sentence to say out loud.
0: But yeah, but the schedule's tougher for sure. It is,
1: it is. Um and if you go seven and five this year, that's actual progress. And like you said, the path to that right now is probably splitting your next two and then splitting Tennessee, Florida in November.
0: Yeah, and assuming you don't have a slip up against Fandy or Missouri, who I like, think just, you know, high test-wise, South Carolina is better than both those teams right now.
1: Yep, I would agree with that. And the other the other point, I'm not going to beat the dead horse. I've written about it like 18,000 times, but SEC road games, they still haven't won one under Beamer. They haven't really been close. I mean, Arkansas was competitive-ish, but never really felt like they were going to win the game after they fell behind 21-3. Um, I'm just going to keep saying until something changes there, but they got to yeah. be better. They got One of these weeks, it's going to have to happen if they're going to actually make progress.
0: Yeah, don't disagree. Well, we'll definitely uh, preview Kentucky much more throughout the week on gamecostgroup.com. And then we'll be back here on Thursday around 2 or 3 p.m. Uh, we usually tweet it out a little before uh, to do the full preview of Kentucky. Before we leave today, though, since we get the unique um, sort of week of reviewing the game on Friday before all the Saturday games, do you want to kind of talk about what you're looking for on Saturday? Obviously. We're going to all be watching Kentucky-Mississippi, doing a little scouting there, see how they hold up. Which, Who do you think wins that game, by the way? I I, I think Mississippi probably wins. I think Ole Miss
1: wins that game at home. I think in our staff picks, which are on the website of GameCraftScoop.com, I don't remember what I put actually now. I think I picked Ole Miss to win, but Kentucky to cover. Right now it's Ole Miss minus 6.5. I think that's like a 30-24, to maybe 31-27 Ole Miss win. Um, I think they're two pretty evenly matched teams, but Ole Miss playing at home. And a little bit better offense, I think grinds that out. What do you think?
0: Yeah. So you picked um, Ole Miss to win, but not cover. Right, and I that's did what the I same. Thought. Yeah, I did the same. It's across the board on our staff picks. We all picked Ole Miss to win, but three of the four of us picked Ole Miss to win, but not cover. Um, by the way, speaking of covers, uh, I had a parlay last night.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I
0: had a parlay last night of Utah State money line. Perfect. They won. Got that. Um BYU. And South, uh, did BYU win that
1: game. Did, did they... I just blow your parlay live on air? I'm so no, sorry. No,
0: you're right. You're right. I had BYU in the money line <laughs> um, over Utah State. And they won that game. But then the second part of my parlay was that I had SC State covering 39 and a half. Luke and... Doty, your hero. <laughs> and yeah, with about what? A minute left, a minute and a half, two minutes left. Uh, Luke Doty punches it in. And because Tonka Hemingway had gone for two earlier <laughs> in the game, You're right. <laughs> South Carolina wins by 40.
1: And so you, you texted me in the first half. Like, we gotta start factoring in swinging gates in our score predictions if they're gonna just keep doing yeah.
0: this every week. Yeah, um, apparently we we need to be ready for the two-point conversion. And I need to keep that in mind if I'm betting <laughs> uh South Carolina games, which I don't normally do because I feel like my uh my take is always a little bit off on, but I figured like a thirty-nine and a half points, that's a lot of points. Uh, you know, South Carolina's offense has not been known to score 50 points two weeks in a row. Although, That's not
1: happened since 1995. Yeah. But in 95, um, they did it three weeks in a row. So hey, watch so out. So here we me. go. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, all right. So other games this weekend that we picked on Gamecocksgroup.com. Like I said, each week we do a staff picks. Um. You are doing pretty well right I'm now. I'm in the lead both yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. So against the spread, you're 26-20 and three pushes you're 36 and 13 in straight picks and i am 31 and 18 in straight picks so i got some some ground to make up and against the spread i'm losing money. only one losing money uh so uh luckily in my actual betting i don't pick a lot of these games because they're pretty tough um so we got washington ucla that happened last night uh we have michigan and iowa
1: tonight yeah that game's tonight isn't it they didn't play The you a Washington game. It's like ten thirty tonight or eight thirty
0: seven thirty at West. But yeah, right. yeah. So so usually you usually Washington. A, that's a
1: good Friday night game.
0: Yeah, uh, Washington's favored by three and a half. There, you and I both picked Washington. It looks like um, I I feel like that spreads suspicious. I mean, I know it's at UCLA. It's um, a weird but to me, number. It, yeah, it feels like Washington's pretty clearly. The better team, So the fact that that's such a small spread kind of makes me nervous because, as we just talked about, Vegas is very good at what they do. That 39 and a half spread uh, last night.
1: Yeah, it's a road game on a short week, I guess, would be my my thing for Washington. But yeah. I think Michael Penix is just really good.
0: Um, You got some other in, important SEC. You got Bama and Arkansas. Pretty big spread there. Uh, Bama's favored... By, at the time that we were doing, it was 16 and a half. I think it's over seventeen now. Um, well, I have it which I'll look
1: for you. It's that's at, at seventeen our, now.
0: Yeah, that's yeah, at Arkansas too. So I, that was kind of a weird one too. I, maybe it's a it's a bait thing because to me, um, if you watch Bama and Texas, right, you have this this sense that Bama is vulnerable. But you know, maybe they'll just it's do Bama. the thing that they that they normally do, where they have their you know one struggle in the. Um, regular season and then just like run through the rest of their schedule, but I, I don't know. I, I feel like Arkansas's offense is good enough to sort of test them and keep that one close.
1: Yeah, I I, I don't remember what I picked. I don't know. If I picked when to win the game right. I don't remember what I had covers wise. Um,
0: you got Arkansas covering, which I do okay. too. Okay, so, um, I, so
1: seventeen we, points. We, yeah, like yeah. a I don't know. I'm just trying to think out loud here. Like a 24 Alabama win, like keep it to fourteen, but. They, it, what is next, what do they call it? Joyless murder ball? Something like that there? They just get in, yeah. get out, just win, business trip, on to the next week. Um,
0: yeah, and we saw Arkansas was pretty vulnerable to the run, and that's not a great combination going up against Jamar Gibbs. Uh, yeah, Or Jameer Gibbs. Um,
1: uh, also, in the 3.30 window, Wake in Florida State. I know everyone's talking about the other game in the ACC Atlantic, um, and we're going to get to that in a second, I would assume. Um, that's a sneaky good game. Florida State's Quietly, even for a program of that stature, quietly 4-0, I think. Wake maybe should be 4-0, not for losing to Clemson last we can double overtime. That's a quality three thirty game. That spread right now is Florida State minus um, 6.5. That game's in Tallahassee.
0: Which was surprising to me that they're favored that heavily. I did pick Florida State to win. I was the only one to pick Florida State to win, but I don't think that they cover. Uh, we had it at 7, actually, so it's calmed, come down a little bit. Um but, yeah, I mean, I I think that they are playing well enough. The What's the quarterback's name for Florida State? Um, oh. Um, uh, it's whatever. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, he, he sort of had a really good game against Louisville. Oh, Jordan Travis. Yeah. Um, got knocked out there for a bit, but he seems back and good to go. So, I think, you know, Florida State. Good QB matchup. Jordan Travis versus Sam Hartman. I'll, I'll take some of that. Yeah, definitely. Um, one more game in the SEC, Texas A&M-Mississippi State. That's kind of a contrasting styles game where Texas A&M is going to play good defense. Their offense uh, is definitely not scary at all. And Mississippi State's defense is suspect, suspect, but their offense is you know, pretty good. Mike Leach, all that fun stuff. Um, I don't know how, how that's going to turn out. I mean, this seems like one of those games that... Because Mississippi State is sort of the the darling pick here that they'll probably end up not winning. Um, I feel like Mike Leach wins the games that you're not expecting him to show up right. in. And then the games that they are favored in don't go as well. So that'll be interesting.
1: Coin toss game. Um, I don't know if you have the look ahead factor for a at all, considering the, well, I mean, let's just call it what it is. What's going to be even with their loss to App State? What is oh we got a comment play calling coming around starting to find an identity. I would agree with that for South Carolina. Uh, thanks for joining. I didn't catch your name there, but thanks for joining uh, that, us. Um,
0: that gamecock guy. Yeah. I <laughs> okay. Ju- I just I just saw that it got posted like four minutes ago. Um, but yeah, uh, the play calling. I agree. We we talked about that earlier in the show. If you didn't catch that, go back and and listen. But definitely some identity coming around for the game. Yeah. Offense. We were
1: talking about, about kind of the play calling in different parts of the field. We had a longer conversation about that. Um, Wednesday. If you want to go back and listen to that. Um, thanks for chiming in. Um, where were we're we talking? Um,
0: Texas A&M. Is A&M is,
1: yeah. Um, I was saying, I mean, if there's a look ahead thing, because let's face it, even with the lost app state, probably the most hyped game of the entire college football, regular seasons next Saturday, um, Alabama, Texas A&M after Saban and Jimbo's whole Let's call it spat in the offseason. Let's go with let's go with that. Um either way, I don't know if there's a look ahead for AM, but if they can uh if they can get Tuscaloosa at four and one and still undefeated in the conference, um, interesting. That could be an interesting week next week.
0: Yeah, definitely. And then of course the game that is probably most relevant to GameCock fans on Saturday and, and really a lot of the country is gonna be paying attention as well. Uh, NC State at Clemson. We should get a weather game a little mm-hmm, bit, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, how is, is the rain still supposed to be hanging it's, around uh, until Saturday night? i looking out my
1: window right now. It's raining like fairly steadily right now. There's some pretty decent wind. Um, I think by tomorrow night, it might be a little bit out of the picture, but definitely like most of the day tomorrow. It's going to be a soggy college game day tomorrow morning if you're watching on ESPN. Um mm-hmm. I just remember, I think I said it to you earlier in the week we were talking. I just remember the almost seven years ago. I think it was seven years ago this week. It was like a hurricane season, early October, the Clemson Notre Dame game in a monsoon, basically. That I think Clemson won by two points at the end. It's gonna be kind of that vibe. Um Saturday night there.
0: Yeah, um, where where Dabo did one of his little
1: That's the Bring Your Own Guts game, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, his little quips that you know, are super cheesy, but he, he thinks they're nice. Um, so by, uh, by 7.30 p.m., which is the kickoff in Clemson tomorrow, I, I'm seeing no rain, so like a 16% chance of rain. But I think it's definitely going to be soggy. So it won't be quite the weather game that uh, it was a couple years ago, but, um, you know, might might be a little bit of a slow field to play on.
1: Oh, speaking of weather, I would just like to throw in, and I put it on Twitter earlier. Alan underscore Cole. If any of you all want to follow me, the temperature right now for Lexington is 39 degrees, as anticipated for next Saturday night. It's eight days from now. That can change. That's a low. That's not like a projected. That's like a worst case. It gets cold, but it's still probably going to be in like the 40s, maybe the low 50s next Saturday night. That's um, I don't know what you want to do with that, but it's there. That's it's
0: gonna be cold. that's I that's, that's ideal football weather. If you ask I me, would agree I love you. it. I don't. I I love it when it's a little crisp like that.
1: I don't know if the press box in Lexington's open air or not. I've never been there. I should maybe pack a jacket this week. Um, We'll see. Um, But on the weather. And then getting back to Clemson, NC State, I just can't pick good things to happen to NC State in any sport till I see it. I feel like they're just like – I don't know. I don't want to use the word curse. I don't believe in that, but – whether it's the baseball team getting a COVID outbreak in Omaha, the women's basketball team losing the first ever double overtime Elite Eight game last year, the football team's perpetual close but no like, is a good is are the sports gods going to let NC State have one here? Like, do we actually think that's going to happen?
0: Yeah, I mean, Clemson definitely has looked vulnerable so far this season in a way that they haven't. Well, maybe it's kind of similar to last year, although. Um, DJU had his best game of his career last week. So we'll see if that carries over into this week. Um, I did pick NC state, but that was more of a pragmatic approach because like I said, in the overall pickem, I'm a little bit behind. Yeah. So I'm trying to find some places that you guys picked, uh, differently than I did. So yeah, I did pick NC state, but if I'm being really realistic, if you had to make me put money on it or something, I'd probably pick Clemson, but I do think it's going to be close. Maybe they don't, cover that six and a half point spread or whatever it is now that's what it was at the beginning of the week um i'm looking forward to watching that game and yeah that's the beautiful thing about um south Carolina rescheduling this game Not maybe you know abundance of caution you know all those sorts of things i think really the the main thing is that the resources that they use on game day in columbia are going to be needed down on the coast this weekend so um, i think overall a good move but one of the things is now you already got your win under your belt if you're a South Carolina fan and you get to just watch college football on Saturday and enjoy it. And it's a really good weekend to watch it. I mean, there's tons of top 25 matchups. What is it? Six or seven. Um, one Something of the like most and in, a, in several I years. I think
1: the important thing is they're staggered. Like it's not all you're trying to watch six games at the same time. in one window, you've got Ole Miss, Kentucky and Michigan, Iowa. We didn't mention that. That's sneaky. Teams kind of have problems at Kinnick sometimes, but that's in the noon window. You go to the 3.30 window. That's where you get your Arkansas-Bama. That's where you get your Florida State-Wake. Uh, Baylor-Oklahoma State. That's a top 20 matchup we didn't even mention. You've got 4-0 Kansas playing Iowa State in the 3.30 window. Shout out to your Kansas friend. Um, and, then, and then in the night window, you've got, obviously, Clemson-NC State. Um, you, know, you know, a sneaky game, by the way. We didn't even talk about this at all. LSU and Auburn in the vortex of hell known as Jordan-Hare Stadium. Um what do we think that's going to look like?
0: Is this the week that Brian Harson gets canned? They, they're waiting <laughs> on him to lose, and he just keeps winning these like fluky, weird games, and they haven't been able uh, to get rid of him yet.
1: I actually think there's a reasonable case to be made that the most chaotic game on a schedule every year for the country is LSU Auburn. Like, I remember the one that got Les Miles fired there. Um, that was an LSU Auburn game the week he got canned. I remember the one where Auburn was in the top 10 and blew a 20 to nothing lead. I think that was 2018. Um, there was last year where it was like a 9 p.m. local kick, and Bo Nix was just running around with his hair on fire and threw a last minute touchdown. I think, like, this is a perpetually weird game. And then you add in the Harson stuff and the fact that it's in Auburn. It's football.
0: Yeah. Someone, some team is going to get very lucky to have Brian Harson as their offensive coordinator or something next year. <laughs> um, or maybe he just lands in a head coaching job again. realized that it was such a. Um, Shit show. I have a better word. I mean, uh, the only the only other thing we didn't talk about was my new background. Oh, good catch. So, uh, yeah, I got I got Shane Beamer doing a little golf clap. I saw this on uh, the USA Today thing, which shout out to Jeff Blake, who I've never met, but uh, we use his photos. His photos uh, are great pretty, yeah. pretty much weekly, and he kills it. But yeah, we got, <laughs> he's just giving a little, little golf clap, which I guess that kind of sums up uh, my feeling of the game last night. It's like you took care yeah. of business um there's not something exceptional to celebrate i mean you blew out a team that you should blow out uh but you didn't fall on your face so you know a little little golf club and you Very started fast up, so. it was
1: 22 nothing That they haven't done that yet the first oh. y'all can stop yeah. getting on me about a first quarter touchdown they scored one Marshawn lloyd scored one
0: yeah how many minutes had it been
1: 70 because they yeah. did it with five yeah. minutes left in the um in the first quarter so 60 minutes for four games plus the first 10 last night
0: yeah, so um, over the next couple of days on GamecockScoop.com, we'll continue breaking down the game. Uh, some of my favorite features are Alan Cole's behind-the-box score, where he kind of breaks down some unconventional stats, so definitely keep an eye out for that. And then you have uh, Coach Perry McCarty's uh, coach's corner, where he kind of looks at the offense, looks at the defense, picks out some key plays, explains what went on there, which he used to do. Uh, on the old message board, but has um, you know upgraded, <laughs> and now he's doing it for us, which uh, very much appreciate. We appreciate, um, yeah. And oh, I've got a
1: women's basketball story running this weekend too. Dawn Staley's first media availability slash practice of the year was—I can do math. It was Tuesday, or no, Wednesday. It was the day before the game. My week's all messed up, but there's some some quotes in there. So Talked to Leah Boston for a few minutes to talk to um, Kira Flowers, the Georgia Tech transfer who came in. Um, some stuff in there for you, women basketball fans, which should be all of you with the way this team plays. Um, some stuff in there for I think that's going to run tomorrow on the website, or maybe Sunday.
0: Yeah, and for those of you that are interested in sort of college coaching and and how uh, college coaches rise up through the ranks and um, some of the odd jobs you have to do early in your career to get there, um, Alan Cole's got a feature story on the coaches on staff that started at the FCS level um, and kind of have worked their way up to where they are now. I'm really excited for people to check that one out. That one's going to be really fun. It was
1: supposed to run the day before the SC state game would have been a perfect feed into the FCS game and then hurricane, but it is what it is. We adapt, we adapt.
0: Yeah. So it's going to be a weird weekend on Gamecock scoop. Uh, The weekly recruiting wrap up will be tomorrow instead of today um, because of the way that the game and everything fell And then we got some fun sort of almost off-season-esque stories um, that are going to be really interesting reads on the women's basketball team and on some of the coaches on South Carolina's staff. You got some really cool conversations out of that. And then we'll be back here on Thursday, so six days from now, previewing Kentucky throughout the week on GameCraftScoop.com. We'll start previewing Kentucky. I'll have my behind the... um, Behind enemy lines or whatever I call it. I think that's what someone else calls it. So view from the other side. We all have to have our different names, even though we're writing the same story. Um, View from the other side with a writer from Kentucky that covers the Wildcats. And uh, yeah, we'll sort of transition into that game. Enjoy your football Saturday. Stress-free Gamecock fans. As long as
1: I can keep power. I'm a little slightly worried about this wind and rain knocking me out, but I think we should be okay.
0: Get those get those phone charged up. uh, Oh yeah, at least watch on your phone. (laughs) Yep. Uh, All right. Uh, Stay safe, everyone out there, and we will see you soon.